This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the local angle on FanDuel TV. I'm Shiel Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak from the Ringers Philly Special. Eagles get a win over the Rams, remain undefeated on the season. We will dive into that. Plus, John Jastrzemski of New York, New York, will be discussing yet another Giants loss, but hey, Jets Jets win in Denver. They'll get to all of that. Uh, we've got Brian Barrett from Off the Pike talking about the Patriots getting shut out and what could be rock bottom for Bill Belichick uh, and that post-Tom Brady era. And then finally, the Bears, Jason Goff on the full go. He'll talk about that win Thursday night and what's next for Justin Fields and company. But let's get started. First of all, Eagles get the win 23-14, Benny Souls. As you know, I like to just to know your instant reaction. How are you feeling? Check the pulse after yet another Eagles victory as they improve to 5-0. Best feeling one of the season, right? This, this, is, this is starting to feel more familiar. It's starting to feel more like last year's team. I saw uh, Dave Hellman of, of, of uh, Fox NFL covers the NFC East remark that like for the fifth week in a row... It feels like the Eagles could be way better. Also, they covered. Also, they won. <laughs> They're undefeated, right? It's just they've just been they've been getting they've been improving week over week. They've been looking more familiar week over week, solving more problems week over week, and also still winning games. It's just a tremendous start to the season from the win loss perspective. And then if you're thinking about stuff to improve and you know, kind of avoiding that that um uh like you know over peaking at the wrong time, kind of you know making sure that you stay focused and you keep the edge sharp. Like they're they're in a great spot. This is the Dallas Goddard game, right? Like we we had a get AJ Brown game right. We had a get the defensive coverage game right. And now we have a get the Dallas Goddard, you know, target distribution game right. They're just slowly solving problems, slowly improving in a lot of spots. They are uh, looking better week over week. Yeah, Goddard you know, had such a slow start to the season. We've been saying, you watch the film, it's like there's nothing wrong with Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard looks really good. They're missing opportunities to him week in and week out. It was clear in this game. They were like, all right. He's going to get the football. He's going to be involved early, uh, and he was, and that's a good thing because he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. My big takeaway from this game is Jalen Hurts looked more like Jalen Hurts in in yeah. this game. The the dual threat, or as he likes to call himself, the triple threat version. You know, uh, arms, legs, uh, arm, not arms. You don't throw with both arm, legs, mind, all those things. But the big thing that was kind of missing, not all the way missing, but kind of missing. 
were the legs. You know, you would watch it in last week's game. It was like, wait a minute, he can't turn the corner on some of these Bucks defenders. What's going on? Well, in this game, it was clear from the get-go whether he was just feeling better. There's no injury. There's nothing wrong with him physically. He runs 15 times for 72 yards in this game. And more importantly than the numbers is the eye test. You looked at him and you thought, this guy looks spry. This guy looks athletic. This looks like the guy we watched uh, all of last year. I think it was the first possession. The Eagles were an empty. Uh, Rams throw a, a blitz at him. He scrambles, looks spry, gets outside the pocket, makes a play. You saw the designed run game, the option run game. He's making plays yeah. with that. Uh, I think they ran a quarterback draw on third and nine. He converts on that. He, he scrambled uh, against a blitz on third and nine, picks it up. But I thought there was one play, Ben, in the second half. It was a third and seven where he runs through the tackle of, I think it was Byron Young trying to chase him down and just kind of, it's the athleticism, it's the physicality, it's what makes Hurts Hurts, and he scrambles and runs for the first down while taking some of that contact. So uh, again, if you're like, hey, that sounds like what Jalen Hurts usually does. Well, that's not really the version of Jalen Hurts we've seen so far in 2023. So I thought he answered a lot of questions uh, with his legs today. Yeah, I I got I got last week I said like I'm not liking what I'm seeing through Hurts through four weeks. Like this looks a lot more like twenty twenty one. And it was a it was a funny thing to say because I had like I would say a good sixty five percent of Eagles fans be like, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and then a good thirty five percent be like, You're telling me, buddy, like this is really concerning. I was like, All right, so we're 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 having like a a very like polarizing kind of hurt start to the season. This game looked a lot like twenty twenty two, right? Where it was just uh great looking pockets great quarterbacking from the pocket, right? Where we're finding throws down the field, that huge AJ Brown throw in the second half down the field where Hertz is just like standing still with no one within three yards of him, yeah. then throws down the field to the Eagles star receiver, 40 yard throw, who also has no one within three yards of him. That, that felt like 2022, where it was like, are they playing the Rams starters? Is this the pre? What's happening? We're just like the ease of getting that explosive play. Uh, Jalen Hurts on this game, 0.27 EPA per drop back, a hugely explosive game for him. High success rate as well. Like this felt a lot like 2022 did. And so that's a big stock up for, for Hurts. It's an enormous stock up for the, for the offensive line, too, who struggled, I think, a, a, a bit in that Washington game. Uh, like as it has been playing at like a high le- league level, as they typically do. But again, like last season was kind of like, oh, it's them and then a gap and then second place. This game felt like that. We're like, they had anything they wanted whenever they wanted. Hertz was extremely comfortable in the pocket. They moved that pocket a little bit more, right? Going to that uh, that that running point. We've theorized on this show before that getting Hertz running early can get him into a nicer rhythm early. It can set him up better. Uh, and I think you saw that in this this game of the first couple possessions. They had like you know designed rollout get Dallas Goddard on that slide RPO that they ran so much in 2022. They didn't run it as much in, in 2023, right? Just get him in the flat, tossing the ball, get Hurts moving. Just seems to loosen everybody up really nicely. Uh, and so that experience right there of getting Hurts a little bit more moving, right? So you don't have to worry so much about the pocket presence stuff. And then the offensive line really stepping up. It's not like a great Rams pass rush, but they do have this guy, Aaron Donald, who you didn't hear of yeah. for three hours today. And that's a huge, huge feather in, in, in the cap for Kelsey, for the interior, for Jason, uh, J- Jeff Stoutland and that offensive line. And so uh, this was easily the most 2022 reminiscent offensive performance there's some aj brown domination some easy dallas goddard stuff as many tush pushes as you can possibly conceive of we're gonna keep doing we're gonna do i I swear like since the national public started complaining about them more they're they're just playing four third and one and fourth one to just do it more often (laughs) just just continue making a point out of it very dominant performance lovely to see it really does feel that way it's like all right if it's if it's third and three deandre swift just go down a yard 
before the sticks. Let's make sure we make people angry uh, with this once again. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line. That really, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not fun to lead segments like this with, let's lead with the offensive line. If you're, whole, if, you're, if you're an Eagles fan, you have to. You can't yeah, ignore Yeah, it you have point. to. Yeah. And I mean, that was just like a holy cow type performance from the offensive line. We've seen it before this season, I would say more with the run game. You know, they had the game uh, against the Vikings where you're just like, all right, the Vikings can't do anything. They're blowing them off the ball. They're running for over 200 yards. But this was more of a passing game where you mentioned, I mean, Jalen Hurts is just sitting back there with these pristine pockets where other quarterbacks in the NFL are probably watching this going, that's not fair. That's not how we have to play quarterback. You you have a big yep. advantage getting to play quarterback like that. And to be fair, some of that, you know, can be due to his scrambling ability where, you know, teams want to be disciplined with the way they rush him. But uh, man, what a performance from the O-line. They're playing with a backup right guard in Suo Peta, and I don't think his name got brought up once during the nope. entire broadcast. And that's going up, as you mentioned going up against Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald did not have a sack. Aaron Donald did not have a quarterback hit. Aaron Donald has been playing phenomenal football this season, like wrecking games, wrecking possessions, wrecking drives. And the one thing the Rams have been doing, which is very smart, is they'll find like the weak link on your offensive line and be like, okay, we're going to line up Aaron Donald here. We're going to do things so that you can't just say our whole game plan is focused on Aaron Donald. But even... With Aaron Donald having that coming in, you know, trying to single him up, they, they Eagles had a plan for that, and they were all over him all game long. They were not going to let him uh, wreck possessions in this game, and so uh, you know he had uh, again zero sacks, zero quarterback hits. I think the Rams as a team did they even have a sack? Uh, I can't even remember. Uh, in they the did. one they sack, one. Yeah, yeah. one sack and two quarterback hits, two quarterback hits on over forty dropbacks for Jalen Hurts. I mean that is an incredible job. That's really at the yeah. core uh, of what the Eagles offense did here. Uh, real quick, give me one more takeaway from this Eagles win. I will once my cat stops running around through my blinds. Uh, Brian Johnson, two week, the last two weeks, I've been really impressed. Uh, uh, offensive play caller was a big question mark for me entering the season. I thought through the first few weeks of the season, you had some good cases for complaints. You had some good spots where you could say, he needs to be doing this better. Like, why does this look like 2022? I joked today that he like found the Dallas Goddard playbook at the bottom of a closet somewhere, right? Because it was just no Goddard, no Goddard, no Goddard, and then all of a sudden all Goddard. Um, but for the last two weeks, you again, like I brought up that AJ Brown, uh, a deep catch, right? That 40 yard, no one's near him. Dallas Goddard had an explosive catch on like a curl and go, right? You saw Amon Ross St. Brown score a touchdown on that play uh, uh, last week in primetime game against the Packers. Uh, they're, the, the Eagles are finding a lot of downfield throws that are way, 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 way easier than the other team's downfield throws get to be in the league, right? Like, you brought up that fact of, like, other teams watch the Eagles, and, like, we don't get to play with an offensive line like this. We don't get to play with pockets like this. The same thing is true of, like, Jalen Hurts' throws that are, like, 15, 20-plus yards down the field. You're just like, where are the dudes? Where's the defense? Why I, the, the, the ease that they're having in opening up some of those downfield throws, pitching good changeups at the right time, right? Lining A.J. Brown up in the slot, getting him the matchups that you want. They're, they are really successful right now in, in in activating plays down the field and getting some of those explosive passes, which is important because this team tends to be a really, really, really uh, methodical mover of the ball, right? In this game alone, right? You have uh, unbelievable drives. You have a 17-play, 83-yard, 8-minute field goal drive, a 10-play, 72-yard, 6-minute field goal drive. You have a 7-play, 75-yard drive that ends in interception in the end zone, but another huge one, 15 plays, 56 yards, 8 minutes, field goal drive, 12-play, 75-yard, 6-minutes touchdown. Like They tend to inch, right? Like And then they've been able to do that for a while, and it's impressive. 
but it, you also need to be able to generate some explosives, right? That's an, a, a non-negotiable part of playing offense in this league. And they're doing a better job over that. I think a huge part of the credit goes to Brian Johnson. Yeah, I think the explosives are tied to, you know, what you're saying Like is, is also tied to the pass protection. I mean, uh, when these teams are trying to heat up Jalen Hurts and they're blocking it up and it's like, okay, uh, this coverage is only meant to last for so long. And uh-oh, the Eagles blocked it up. And now he's just sitting there looking for someone to throw to. I mean, they've got AJ, Devontae Smith was not even heard from uh, really in this game. They've got AJ Brown. They've got Devontae Smith. They've got Dallas Goddard. That when they have times, uh, time and the opponent decides, hey, let's gamble a little bit and try to generate pressure and they don't get home, those guys are going to be running free and wide open. So you certainly saw some of that in this game. I was just really impressed with the defensive performance in the second half. I mean, the way they started this game, you were like, uh-oh, okay, this might end up being a, uh, a long day at the office for Sean Desai and for this defense. They were trying different things. It seemed like the plan early on was Mario Goodrich in the slot on early downs Eli Ricks uh, in the slot on third down. And then eventually they said, hey, both of you uh, come over here. Bradley Roby, you just get in there and you play the slot. Uh, although at the end of the game, Eli Ricks was back in there. So we'll have to, you know, we, we don't have the snap counts uh, in front of us exactly how they did it. But last five possessions for the Rams, all of these in the second half. Punt, 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 turnover on downs, end of game. Five possessions, total of 95 yards, the Rams did not cross midfield. They did not run a play in Eagles territory after the second quarter. This was a top five offense statistically going into this game. I mean, they were really playing well. They played the 49ers earlier. It wasn't just all bad defenses they were facing. And early on, you know, they put together that great first drive. They scored 14 points before halftime. But man, in the second half, I thought the Eagles defense got after them. I thought the pass rush started to uh, get going. And if you're looking at this as a whole, if you would have said before the game, hey, Eagles are going to uh, limit Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and this Rams offense to 14 points, and they're not going to score any in the second half, you would say, okay, sign me up. That will be an Eagles win, and, and that's how it played out. The uh, After that first drive, that Rams opening drive, how were you feeling? I was thinking the game was going to end 45-42 after that first 100%, 100%, drive. 100%. I, mean, I thought it was going to be a shootout. <laughs> Cooper Cup has like five receptions on that drive alone. Matthew Stafford just completing passes down the field. You, I, I just started to keep a running tally of the players in coverage of Cooper Cup when he caught a ball because I thought that was going to be a thing I had to do for the remainder of the game. And he, only, he has three three catches the rest of the, of the game. And it's not because he was sitting. It's not because of the injury. Like He was out there. Uh, the Eagles did a nice job. Saying, all right, if you're just going to be in-breakers, 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 all this short area stuff until the cows come home, we're going to play uh, a lot more zone coverage. We're going to put a lot of bodies here, and we're going to force you to throw these in-breakers either further down the field or throw out to the sideline. And the Rams got theirs a couple of times, that Puka Nakua touchdown uh, to, uh, over James Bradbury being an example of one. They're trying to throw this corner route to Cooper Cup. They can't connect on that. They're trying to get Tyler Higby activating the flats. They can't connect on that. Very quickly, Sean Desai, like you said, they, they started to get Bradley Roby on the field, but even then they just started to put more bodies in the area of the, of the, of the defense, that, that intermediate middle, really that short middle, and just say, listen, like, if this is all you're going to do, we're going to sit here, take it away, and make you beat us in, in, in a different method. And the Rams weren't able to do so. They had open receivers, they had chances, but the Eagles also had a dominant pass rush, right? And that's what we always talk about on Eagles podcasts, is this dichotomy of pass rush and coverage. Can you hold in the back end long enough to get, let the pass rush get home uh, to a quarterback like Stafford who will hang in there to the last second and will throw the ball aggressively. And an offensive line that was like performing pretty well, but not necessarily an elite unit, 
they showed up, right? I mean, you had so many, like, Josh Sweat was a half step away. Jalen Carter was a half step away. All of a sudden, right tackle, uh, Rob, Havinson, Rob Havinson goes down. And then uh, the young man comes in, Warren McClendon. And Hassan Reddick, just eyes big as saucers. I mean, holy smokes. Like, he was against McClendon for, like, five plays and had, like, eight pressures. I don't even know how the science worked. Uh, they, were, they were really, really, really keyed in late in the game. All right, now let's go to John Jastrzemski and New York, New York, where he'll talk about the Giants' loss against the Dolphins and the Jets taking down the Denver Broncos. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome back to The Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. I'm JJ John the host of New York, New York, even though the host of New York, New York is sitting here wearing his dolphin hat. He's wearing his dolphin sweatshirt after the New York Giants get beat down in South Florida. And we will get to the mess and the disaster that we saw for about three and a half hours on the football field. But let me say right out of the gate, the final score of this game does not truly indicate how bad of a beatdown you might have witnessed if you watched this game on a particular football Sunday. The Dolphins lost the turnover battle three to nothing. Tua throws a pick six right before the end of the first half when they're about to go in and score a touchdown. He throws another interception in the second half, and yet the Giants win the turnover battle. They get a pick six, and they get thoroughly whooped and thoroughly beaten and thoroughly embarrassed every which way. You got to realize, it's very difficult, very difficult to go and lose an NFL game by more than two touchdowns when you win a turnover battle three to nothing. I mean, normally you win a turnover battle three to nothing, you're probably winning 85 to 90% of the time, if not more. It might even be more than that. I don't have the stupid stat in front of my face. But it just speaks volumes to how outclassed and how simply pathetic the Giants look across the board. And look, I feel for Daniel Jones watching him on Sunday. He got his rear end kicked. I understand he's playing behind backup offensive linemen. And if you want to make the narrative about all the Giants are depleted, they don't have Saquon Barkley, they don't have Andrew Thomas, that's part of the story. That is accurate. However, I can go through just about every single team in the NFL and talk about key injuries to key players in key positions until I'm blue in the face. You don't want me to do that, but I can do it if you'd like. You cannot go from losing two guys to basically looking like a junior varsity football team. And the only touchdown the Giants have in the first half of the game this year is the pick six. Thanks to Tua. Other than that, zilch. Daniel Jones is getting beaten. He's skittish. Now you see him bad habits. He's missing throws. 
And it puts so much pressure and so much emphasis on plays that are tough. They got to be made. Like Darren Waller trying to go and make a catch contested on Xavier Howard. It's a tough catch. But when things are going as poorly as they are going for the New York Giants, you need somebody to go and bail out your quarterback. Well, the quarterback now, who the hell knows when we're going to see him again? He leaves this game, which I hate to say it was kind of inevitable. You kind of had the feeling Daniel Jones was not going to make it through four quarters against the Miami Dolphins. And we're talking about a neck injury, the same neck injury maybe that he had two years ago when he missed a good chunk of time. And now you got to wonder, okay, is he playing Sunday against the Bills? What is he going to look like a couple of weeks from now? Who the hell knows? The Giants are at one and four. They have Buffalo next week and are going nowhere. And the honeymoon, we said it was over for Brian Dable after that Monday night game against Seattle. Well, Brian Dable today, his team looked like a Joe Judge. It looked like a Ben McAdoo. It looked like a Pat Shermer coach team. Did you see the Giants and their inability or the disinterest to go and make a tackle? Now, I get it. The Miami Dolphins have ridiculous speed. A chain is a monster, however you say his name. Monster, most are super fast. Tyreek Hill is the fastest dude in the NFL and is unguardable. We all, we all understand that. But the tackling efforts from the Giants were non competitive. Again, if it wasn't for Miami shooting themselves in the foot a couple of different times, the Miami Dolphins are scoring 60 plus points on the Giants today. They might have dropped 70 like they did against Denver. So the Giants don't want to tackle. The Giants don't want to block. The Giants have nobody who could go and make a play. And a quarterback looks like a deer in the freaking headlights. All of the good feelings that were bottled up just seven, eight months ago seem lost at this particular point in time. They seem absolutely lost. The Giants have played like one of, if not, the worst team in the NFL. If it's not for the second half comeback against the Arizona Cardinals, we're talking about the Giants as one of the worst teams. Or actually, I should rephrase that. We are talking about them as the worst team in the NFL. It's an ugly script for them. Very, very ugly script. We knew the schedule was going to be tough right out of the gate. But to see this product regress the way that it has, where's Brian Dable finding answers? That's my question. It's Columbus Day, and Brian Dable has no answers for what's going on with the New York Giants. One and four, quarterbacks hurt, teams going nowhere fast. What's this team going to look like at the end of October? Did the Giants float the idea of trading Saquon Barkley in the next few weeks when he gets back healthy? I don't think that's a terrible idea in the least. Is that something John Mayer is going to sign off on? I don't have the slightest idea. But these are the conversations that start to happen when you're one and four and you have played and you have looked the way the Giants have looked. Now, the other team in town, a little bit of a new lease on life. And the storyline of Nathaniel Hackett returning to Denver clearly was a big rallying cry for the New York Jets. I don't think there's any question about that. What you saw in this game was two teams where one just did a little bit more, in my estimation, in my opinion, of giving a game to the other team. Really, that's Zach Wilson tried his best in the fourth quarter. Thankfully, Quincy Williams said, I got other plans. Don't worry, Russell Wilson. Strip sack to the house. Game set match. Jets made a couple of big plays 
and it basically determined the difference in this game. The Jets get the monster Brees Hall touchdown run, which I'm sure felt great for him after tearing his ACL in Denver last year, starting off that second half, boom, taking it, what, 60, 70, 80 yards, I don't even know what it was, but a monster touchdown run to get the Jets going. And that is after the Jets screwed up the end of the first half about as poorly as any team imaginable could screw up clock management. That's what the Jets figured out or didn't figure out how to do. They survived that. You get the momentum on the hall play. Wilson, you know, I'm watching the game for four quarters and I'm like, not as good as he was against Kansas City, but he's not screwing it up. He's not doing anything that is catastrophic. He's kind of just going through the motions, playing a pretty pedestrian NFL game. And then he throws that pick to Patrick Sertan. And how many Jet fans are looking at the time, the situation, the fact that Denver scored on their prior possession, the fact that you got a roughing the passer call, which definitely helped the process. Here we go again. Jets are going to find a way to lose this game, but then they don't. So it wasn't pretty. It definitely wasn't easy on the eyes, but the Jets at one and three, who are in dire need of something to get them feeling good. They follow up the moral victory, the close effort against the Chiefs with a win. They're two and three. They got a long way to go. Philadelphia next week, in the history of the Jets, they have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. How insane is that? They've never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. They'll get a chance to do so on Sunday. But then after that Eagle game and after their bye week, things start to open up a little bit. We know they have a very competitive defense. Defense finally made the sort of game-changing, game-altering play that I've been screaming for for a long time with this team. Where we know they do a good job as far as, you know, keeping teams off the scoreboard. We know statistically speaking, the Jet defense is there, but like those game-changing game-wrecking type of plays, type of moments. Can they go and make them? Quincy Williams did on Sunday. And this win, to me, allows the Jets now to exhale a little bit, relax a little bit. I know Philly's coming in, and let's be honest, you can't expect the Jets to go and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be a really tall order. It's going to be a very tough test. Philly undefeated for a reason. But I think out of these two teams, as you're five weeks through the NFL season, it's pretty obvious. The Jets are far more interesting. The Jets have far more of a pulse. And the Jets, even without Aaron Rodgers, are showing a lot more spunk to the point where I'm interested to sit down and watch them. Giants hide the women and children. Sunday night, Buffalo. Off of a loss. What's that point spread going to be on FanDuel Sportsbook? 17? 17 and a half? Am I going higher than that? Wasn't supposed to be this way for the Giants. Brian Dable's got a lot of things he's got to clean up. A lot, a lot of messes. A lot, a lot of fires that got to be put out. And how does he keep this team together? It's things in many ways across the board are unraveling every which way. That's what you learn about him. Everything was sunshine and lollipops for Brian Dable last year. He's winning games. They go to the playoffs. They win a playoff game. He's going to Ranger games. Toast to the town. 
walking around, everybody hooting and hollering for Brian Dable. I would have been too. I was leading the charge. Life comes at you fast. How do you adjust? This is New York, New York, here on The Local Angle, presented by our friends over at FanDuel TV. We'll be back next week. Thanks for watching. We're coming right back. All right, next up is Off the Pike with Brian Barrett and James White. Oh, man, what are they going to have to say about the New England Patriots getting shut out by the New Orleans Saints? This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And 1, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now, three-time Super Bowl champ James White. It feels like we are a long time away, James, from when you guys won three Super Bowls as the <laughs> Patriots suffer a 34 to nothing loss at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. We had a lot of questions after the loss last week, and now you have this loss where you're hoping this team could respond. Jay Glazer, prior to the game, was saying that the Patriots wanted to see more from Mac. It's not that they wanted to bench him, but... They wanted to see more from their quarterback. They clearly didn't do that. But this really does feel like, James, for an organization that has been so successful for so long, it feels like rock bottom. There's no other way to sugarcoat this thing. It's really bad right now. Yes, it's definitely bad. It's definitely hard to watch. You know, I'm sure as a as a fan, you know, as a former player, and like I said, for the players currently, and I'm sure for Bill Belichick, because they, I know coming to the year, I'm sure they were expecting to have, you know, an improved season based off how they performed last year, defense played really good offense. Offensively, they didn't. You just thought, you know, with Bill O'Brien coming in, you know, Mac, you know, after last year, we thought we were going to see some sort of, you know, maybe not the most explosive offense in the NFL, but, you know, a little bit more explosive plays, a little bit more consistency, a little bit more edge. We quite, you know, haven't seen that yet. And just there's no rhythm offensively whatsoever. I think, on defense, I think they're fine. Even with, you know, Gonzalez going down, Judon going down, they didn't, you know, get all the sacks and all that stuff, but they played decently today. They didn't, they didn't play terrible and they played pretty well kind of all year long. Just offensively, it just seems like there's no, I wouldn't say there's no want to, but it like, I feel like they're not playing with an edge and with no intensity whatsoever. Like, and I think it starts at the line of scrimmage and I think they probably lost that battle almost every single week that they played. And, dig themselves in the hole, being down 14-0, 16-0, 21-0, whatever it is. Like, can't dig yourself in a hole every single week in the NFL. You're not going to win many football games, especially when, you know, you're giving up touchdowns to the defense when you're on offense. That, I mean, I don't know what the percentages are, but when you score a defensive touchdown, I'm sure that heightens the, you know, other team's chance to win by by a lot. So, like I said, it's, 
it's hard. They're in a tough spot right now. And like I said, there's, I mean, there's a lot of teams still trying to figure it out. Like, I'm not saying there's still a lot to play for in a sense, but just the way you know, we've seen them play so far, it's just kind of hard to see when they're going to ever turn that corner. And like I said, I think it just starts up front for me. I think everybody just has to hold themselves, you know, a little bit more accountable, has to be a little bit more want to just playing with an edge, see, seeing some energy from the offense. I haven't seen energy from this offense all year long, like whatever it is. Like, I mean, maybe aside from KB, I mean, we we know he brings the energy when he makes plays or something like that, but shouldn't have to rely upon, you know, one player to, you know, make a first down and like, all right, here we go. Like, like coming to the game with like a little bit of confidence, a little bit of juice, like obviously, you know, Mac doesn't quite have it yet because, you know, he struggled a little bit. And I said, nobody else on the offense quite has it because I said they haven't had any consistency whatsoever. So I don't know. I don't think this is just an X and O thing. I don't think it, I think it's just everybody just wanted it just a little bit more. Well, even like they're trying to put together a drive at the end of the first half and Mac ends up getting sacked twice in a row. And on the first sack, you have Vidarian Lowe, who the team and no disrespect to Vidarian yeah, Lowe, but the yeah. team traded for him on August the 28th because you had an injury to Riley Reef. You gave up a six round pick for him. And he's trying to block Cam Jordan. And I know Cam Jordan isn't the same guy that he was maybe three, four years ago, where he was one of the best pass rushers in the league for, what, probably like a six, seven, eight-year period. But that's just where this team is at from a personnel (laughs) perspective. It's a real issue right now. And you think about third down. They were one for 14. Like, that almost (laughs) seems made up. It's almost impossible. They came into the game, like, below average. But the Jets were last in the NFL entering this week at 26.5%. So they were at least converting on a quarter of their third downs, which is very, very bad. The Patriots were one of 14 in this game. And the issue to me is they don't really, at this point, do anything well. Again, they struggle running the football, right? They're on the year, they're 27th in yards per carry at 3.4. So that's been an issue for them all season long. Ramondre Stevenson has gone from a guy that was north of five yards per carry to south of three yards per carry this year. And I do think like the big issue right now to me is... There's a personnel issue on this team from a talent perspective, especially with the weapons. But secondarily, the quarterback just, he's got to be better. I mean, James, you think about this. This is year three. He's supposed to be taking a step forward. If you go back to last season, he had back-to-back games with a passer rating north of 100. And he did that against the Vikings on Thanksgiving. Since that point, he has one game where he's had a passer rating north of 100. The whole time. That's 11 games. And... During that time, he just had back-to-back games Mac did with a passer rating south of 40 during that th- these two games. He's had a lost fumble and a pick six in each of them. And again, today, the second pick, the Montgomery one, obviously that's not yeah. his fault. But the first one, you got to get rid of the football. He admitted this week that at times he tries to do too much. And I just wonder, like, you look at the teams they've beaten during this three and eight stretch going back to last season. The only games they won is Kyler Murray goes down, so it's McCoy. Then you have Zach Wilson in one of those games, which enough said, it's Zach Wilson. And then the other game, Tua didn't play, so it was Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. And I just wonder right now, when you look at the quarterback, how much confidence this team can have in him going forward. This is now back-to-back games that they've pulled him. Now, Zappi didn't do anything to impress you, right? I mean, he completely (laughs) overthrew Gasicki, and then he was nowhere close to Bourne. So it does feel like Mac is the better option than Zappi, but maybe that says even more about where Zappi's at right now than how much Mac's struggled, because... Right now, Max played like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's not even like hot takey. That's just it's been bad. Yeah, I think Mac obviously hasn't performed well, but I think it's it's more than 
just macking. Obviously, Mac's not helping himself <clears throat> even on the like the interception. Probably just take the sack there because even if you know the, the guy wasn't there, he was about to throw that pass. You know, Tyron Matthew was standing right there, so it was a a good chance of an interception. You know, kind of anyway. So for myself, I just feel like I say it seems like he doesn't trust you know the line in front of him because even when they do protect. You can still, he still has happy feet. He's kind of escaping the pocket. He just doesn't, you know, quite seem comfortable. And like I said, if you're offensive line, quarterback aren't on the same page, it's kind of hard to, you know, drop back and throw the football. They tried to mix the the play action in there early on in the football game. But like I said there was some, some good coverage because like the guys weren't open or he made like a little bit of an errant throw because guys may not have been creating, you know, that much separation. So like I said, it's kind of hard to just figure, you know, one thing for the issue. Mac definitely has to play better, but to me, it's it's more than just him. Like when, like towards the end of the game, when when Zappy was coming, everybody's like, "Chance Zappy." I'm like, it's it's more than it's more than just a quarterback. Like Zapp's not gonna come in here, and then all of a sudden, you know, they start, you know, getting down the field and scoring touchdowns. Like, like at that point, obviously the game was already, you know, in the Saints' hands. So maybe guys are creating a little bit more separation at that point. And then obviously he made some errand throws coming to the game. I think Zap is, I think he could potentially be a good quarterback in this league, but I don't think he's the better option than than Mac Jones at this point. But at the same time, if Mac can't protect the football, if he can't, you know, get out of his own way, I said it becomes a conversation, of course, because like even if you got you want to win football games, Bill Belichick, like no matter what their record is, no matter what they're performing like right now, he wants to win football games. He's not. Just gonna lay down and just say, okay, we're we're fine with winning one game throughout the year. I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. He, he's never gonna be okay with that. He wants to go out there, and be competitive, and play hard every single day. Limit the mistakes. And offensively, I said they just it's just I don't know. Like even when there's even when there's turnovers, just like everybody's like, oh, well, it's like all right, let let's go to the sideline and come back out, try it again. Like it's just so lethargic like on the offensive yeah. side of things and it, you're right it looks lifeless to <laughs> yeah. me james and like you start to think about it it's almost at this point and i'm not saying the guys actually feel like this when they're playing but watching from afar like when we're watching these games it feels like something bad's always going to happen yeah. and that's because it has over the past couple <laughs> of weeks you think about back to the dallas game you have the fumble six and then you look at this game you have the pick six you have the fumble six against dallas too by the way dallas had the two-point conversion on one of them so if you go back to the last 10 quarters, going back to the second half against the Jets, the Patriots defense has scored two points. The Patriots offense has scored three points. And the opponent's defense has scored 22 points against the Patriots. And then we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, these leads, right? 16 nothing, they fall behind against the Eagles. It's what, 17-3 to against the Dolphins. 28-3, to which that number means a lot here, but not for that <laughs> yeah. game. 21 to nothing, right? Against the Saints today. Right away, you're down 21 to nothing. You can't come back if you're the Patriots. And then I think about just throughout the game early on, when they had opportunities on third down. Twice in a row, Max just throwing it up like a jump ball to Devontae Parker. Like third down, that's where like we, we hear, remember, oh, Brady's going to dump it off to you or Brady's <laughs> going to throw the ball to Edelman before you. It was like Wes Welker. All these guys that could catch the ball to the backfield. Like you don't have to be throwing the ball 15, 20 yards down the field. And I do wonder this too. What advantage have they really gained from Bill O'Brien? And I'm not saying that he's like, Matt yeah. Patricia is better than him. Obviously, I would never say that. No. But what advantage has Bill O'Brien really brought to the team? Now, maybe part of it is, the biggest part is personnel. Yeah. Secondarily, his team keeps falling behind, but it's kind of on him that his team was averaging 1.5 points per game in the first quarter prior to today, which was 27th in the NFL, and another goose egg today, and another goose egg for the entire game. Yeah. I mean, kind of what you were talking about earlier, 
Like, they're not good at pretty much anything right now. So the offensive coordinator is like, what do you call? Who do you go to? Like, on a, on a third down situation where we're not completing passes on first or second down, you're getting third and eight, third and nine. Like, obviously, he has, you know, game plan plays based on what defenses are, you know, scheming up and whatnot. But I said, right now, they don't have, like, KB's making plays every now and then, but they don't have a guy like a, a Edelman or a Gronk who, you know, they have a play designed up for on third down where you have pretty much the confidence where they can convert on any third down situation. They don't necessarily have that right now. They don't have, you know, maybe go-to plays that they've, you know, ran since week one that they can count count on and, you know, run every single week when you get man-to-man coverage. I mean, so you got to have plays that carry over all year long. And, you know, when I was playing, like, we carried, we carried a lot of those same plays. You may switch them up a little bit, but it's essentially the same thing that you have carry over every single week. They don't, they probably don't have those plays right now because not much has been working. So I understand what you're saying about like Bill O'Brien. I don't, I don't know what the issue is either, but it's got to be hard as a coach when you know nothing's working <laughs> based on what you're calling. Maybe it's working during practice. Guys aren't you know creating the separation or doing the right things during the game. I said uh, Juju has yet to really get involved. You know, you know Pop Douglas has been like the the best thing for them. I know he went down today, like. He's the only one who's really getting behind the defense. Maybe his, his zone coverage, what he's doing, but he's finding you know, spots in the zone. No Hunter, you know, got behind the defense a little bit, you know, later in the game. But it's just been just very, very inconsistent. I don't know where they don't know, you know, what's the best. I don't even know what's the best personnel group they use right now. I don't know whether it's 11, 12. I thought we'd see more of, you know, Gasecki and uh, Hunter Henry on the field a little bit more. You may maybe create some problems defense in the passing game and run that run the ball out of that thought we see a lot more of that this year but we haven't quite seen that just yet so I don't know I just gotta you know really get back to the drawing board and find out what they potentially think can work for them because obviously you know what they've done so far you almost want to like scrap it because I said not much not much is getting done out there it is ugly in Fox Bar right now that's for sure All right, now it's Jason Goff and the full go talking all things Chicago Bears coming off that Thursday night win. Are Bears fans happy? Are Bears fans optimistic about the rest of the season? Let's find out. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Shout out to everybody on the local angle. Shout out to our FanDuel TV people. This is the Full Go Podcast. We come to you live and direct Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, or whenever there's an emergency pod that is necessary. And Lord knows, in the city of Chicago, an emergency is right around the corner at all times. You know, even after a Bears win, the conversation surrounding Matt Eberflus' job will continue and should continue. And as we sit here, as we are recording, uh, eleven twenty-one in Chicago. By the way, that's not a it's not a new Drake title. 
That's just the timestamp on this show. Um, but 1121 in Chicago don't sound bad, though. Don't sound bad. 8 a.m. in Charlotte is fire, though. I won't get it. Don't get it twisted. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. in Charlotte is fire, but 1121 in Chicago feels just as good because the Bears got to win. But once we zoom out and we take a look at this thing big picture-wise, the Bears are going to be in need of a head coach at the end of this season. And there have been a ton of names that have started to get thrown around. And I was thinking while watching the Bears-Washington game, this entire time I've been talking about Ryan Poles and maybe how he's been split on the Justin Fields experiment. Um, he's not tied to him. Another guy drafted him. So you, you still haven't drafted your first franchise quarterback as the general manager of the Bears. And I started to think about it. Have you really hired your first head coach as general manager of the Chicago Bears? You know, last pod, I talked about the fact that Ernie Acorsi and now Bill Polian have been tasked with the consultant, uh, you know, I don't want to say mentor, but consultant job in terms of not a search firm, but an actual person who has been in the NFL, who has NFL connections, who can list, suggest, and maybe even infer coaches that should be hired by the Bears. Well, guess what? Bill Polian has long had a connection with the Indianapolis Colts. So when Matt Eberflus was made the, I don't know, the, the, I don't know, I'll make up a number here, the 17th head coach in Chicago Bears history, I sat back and thought to myself, okay, all right, how much is this Ryan Poles' guy and how much is this uh, an ownership group saying you can have this amount of power, but we also want to have this part and this stamp on our, on our franchise going forward. All we did was talk about Justin Fields and what he didn't have, didn't have an offensive line, didn't have wide receivers. Are they truly investing in him? Well, I started to think about it. A cover two defensive coordinator who gets hired in the NFL these days, what's the one thing that that guy needs? As much as a quarterback needs a wide receiving core and an offensive line. Needs a defensive line. Needs a defensive line. And what happened this offseason with the Chicago Bears? Well, they went out and got linebackers. Yeah, that's right. They went out and got TJ Edwards. They went out and got Tremaine Edmonds and said, this defensive line should do. Now, we remember that Larry Joby was one of the first targets of Ryan Poles, that three technique that you absolutely need as, as the engine of your defense. Physical issues happened, failed a physical, went back. You know, he's a Pittsburgh Steeler, right? After that, the Yannick Ngakwe situation, that took till a couple of weeks before preseason started for him to even sign with the Bears. So this is a dude who was just waiting for whatever the highest offer would be for a year or two years to come off the couch and go rush the passer and get himself his next two-year deal. There have been no resources of note allocated to the defensive line. You could say Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter Sr. all you want, but when Jalen Carter is sitting there and you're looking at a defensive coordinator who needs front four pressure, doesn't want to send a whole bunch of blitzes, and this is when Allen Williams was the defensive coordinator. So you send him out there with Dominique Robinson. Remember the Travis Gibson experiment where all preseason we saw Travis Gibson not be able to get any pressure from a, from a, a you know, 
a, th- uh, a three-point stance. This is a dude who was a stand-up linebacker in a 3-4 defense before this thing switched over. So as I sit back and think about all the things and all the reasons why Ryan Poles and Justin Fields might not have been a match or the buy-in might have been uh, a little less than what we might have thought, what makes me think that Matt Eberflus is or was Ryan Poles' guy? With Bill Polian being in the picture and this franchise, a charter franchise at that, 100 plus years of this being in the family business and still going outside to get consultants is baffling to me. But when you do that and you say, hey, who do you think we should hire? And one of the people he picks is a guy who is firmly entrenched in an organization that you used to be a part of. You put two and two together. Is this really Ryan Poles' guy? And when you don't give a general manager full autonomy to hire a head coach, can he then come back to you and say, yo, this wasn't my guy. (laughs) Just like that wasn't my quarterback. Now I can actually implement the things that I believe in football-wise. So then you ask yourself, Jay, what's the solution? Where is it? Who's the guy? Which guy is Ryan Poles really got his eye on that nobody in the league knows about? And then you get to the names that I've been hearing lately. Listen, y'all, Jim Harbaugh is not going to be the Chicago Bears' next head coach. And for everybody out there, why? Why not? That's a great name. You know, he's, he's been successful at Michigan, former Bears quarterback. Um, two words, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren is the president of the Chicago Bears now. You remember what Kevin Warren's last job was? The first the first black commissioner of the Big Ten. The first one. Guess what happened on Kevin Warren's watch? Yeah, you guessed it. COVID. Guess who was one of the main, like one of the loudest, loudest uh, contentious voices when it came to let's get back to playing football and stop worrying about all this COVID nonsense. You guessed it. Jim Harbaugh of the University of Michigan. Along with Justin Fields, quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Remember? Remember? People kind of forget about that part, too. But he's a player. He wants to do this. Jim Harbaugh is a grown-up with kids, you know, underneath him. So you were expecting grown-ups to behave a little bit differently. I don't see Jim Harbaugh being the next head coach of the Chicago Bears after the interactions that he and Kevin Warren had not too long ago. So where do they go from there? Because that's what this rest of this season is going to be about. Is Justin Fields your quarterback? Uphill climb from there. Next 12 games, you'll figure it out. (laughs) Odds are he won't be. Now, if he continues to play like he has the last couple of weeks, maybe, maybe just you can start to look at those picks, whether they be one and two or two and three or three and four, however the Bears pick and the Carolina Panthers pick lineup. Maybe you can start looking at other positions, or maybe you could dangle that number one pick again like you did the year previous. All I know is all this conversation about who the Bears' next head coach will be, it's going to happen over the next three months, baby. (laughs) But there's one name that I think y'all can firmly take off the list, and that's good old Captain Comeback himself, Jim Harbaugh. I don't mean to, uh, you know, rain on anybody's Big Ten parade or make you feel like rough, tough football is on the way back with a guy that you know and can trust, but... That's one name I think you'd cross off the list. We do this thing every Sunday, every Tuesday, 
every Thursday or when there's an emergency pod that's necessary. We call it the full go. Come on in. Hang out with the casual betting brothers as we give you betting advice. Shout out to FanDuel TV. Shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook and the good people over at the ring. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.